So, but I want you to take your Bible. We're going to begin building a bridge. You're going to see how, how closely linked, uh, really dealing with the demonic and even the prophetic and, and the ministry of Jesus really all are. I want you, if you have your Bible, I want, we're going to read a couple passages together tonight. I want you to look with me at Luke chapter 9. Luke chapter 9. Luke chapter 9. And verse 1. I'm going to let you sit because we're going to hop around a little bit and, uh, and then we're just going to launch right in. I really intended this to be a very basic teaching. I hope I didn't go too deep. We'll, we'll find out. Luke chapter 9 and uh, verse 1 and 2. And this is what it says. He, Jesus, called his 12 disciples together and he gave them power. Everybody say power. He gave them power and authority over all demons. This is what we're dealing with is authority in the spirit. Okay? Now, now watch this. It says, and to cure diseases. That's authority not just in the spiritual, but it's authority in the natural world as well. And then it says this, and he sent them to preach the kingdom of God. Everybody say preach. You said that good. And to heal the sick. Oh my goodness. Now, I want to look at another one here. In Luke chapter 10, just one chapter over, in Luke chapter 10, it's a very similar passage. We see that the 70 now are sent out. And in verse 1, it says this, the Lord appointed 70 others. He sent them two by two into every city, every place where he himself was about to go. The harvest is truly plentiful, he said, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest field. Now watch, in verse 9, as he sent them out, this was his assignment for them. Heal the sick there. And he says, tell them the kingdom of God has come near to you. So there we see again, this authority in the natural realm and preach about the kingdom of God. But now watch what happens in verse 17. You'll see they were walking in the same anointing as the 12. In verse 17, it says this. It says, the 70 returned with joy saying, Lord, even demons are subject to us in your name. And so he said, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I give you authority to trample serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. Nothing will by any means hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice because your names are written in heaven. I'm going to come back to that in just a little bit. So you just make a mental note on that one. And so then we see, can can you handle one more? Can you handle one more passage? I want you to turn quickly to Mark chapter 16. Should just be back a a, a number of pages. Mark chapter 16 and verse 15. This is the Great Commission. So if you're reading this and you're saying, well, pastor, that was great for the disciples. Of course, they could preach the gospel. And of course, they could cast out demons. And of course, they were sent to heal the sick. And they had authority. And we see it with the 70. But there's people that would make the argument, well, you know, but that stopped with the apostles. That's not a ministry that's for today. 
And I'm not going to do a whole, you know, theology. I have a theology that, that really breaks that. Uh, to me, the greatest, the greatest demonstration that God is still in the healing business is the fact that we've got people in this room that have been set free by demonic, from demonic powers. We've got people in this room. I mean, just this last Sunday night, right, we open up the altars for prayer. And a lot of times, I'm, I'm one of the guys praying for people, but I, I hurt my back moving some stuff earlier this week, and so I responded to the altar call for healing. And you know what happened? By the time Jonathan and Deborah, they prayed for me, and boy, they can pray. Boy, they prayed fiery. They really blessed me. And by the time they were done praying for me, my back pain was gone, and it's not come back a, a single bit since that time. And we've seen, I mean, we could tell stories all, all throughout this room of moments where God has touched people. God's still in the business of healing. But watch this, watch this. Mark 16, in verse 15, he says this, Go and preach the gospel. He who believes and is baptized will be saved. He who does not believe will be condemned. These signs will follow them that believe. Any believers in the house tonight? These signs will follow them that believe. In my name they will Cast out demons. There it is again. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents. If they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. There we see that protection thing again. They will lay hands on the sick. There's that again. And they will recover. Now, you might know this one by heart. You don't have to turn there unless you're really fast with your Bible. Matthew 28 and verse 18. It's a great commission. Worded slightly different. All authority. Everybody say authority. Has been given to me, is Jesus speaking, in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe what I've commanded you. Lo, I am with you always to the ends of the age. This, what I've given you right here, I believe lays the foundation for really a picture of what Christianity is supposed to look like. I, I really believe, I mean, it, it, you just imagine if this kind of stuff was going on, most people would call this revival. Wow, the gospel is being preached. Disciples are being made. Demons are being cast out. The sick are being recovered as, uh, as hands are being laid upon them. If that was happening on a regular basis, most people would look at that and say, that's revival. I would submit to you, as much as I contend for revival, and I believe for that's not revival. That is Christianity 101 as the Lord intended it to be. This isn't something that's reserved for apostles and prophets and just the elite in the kingdom of God. No, this is, these are signs that are to follow all that believe. We don't even know most of the names of the 70 that were following Jesus, but God used all of them in the very same way that he used the 12. And I would submit to you, it's the Lord's desire to use each and every one of you in the very same way. I'm glad that you guys are with me tonight. I, I'm, I'm fired up about this. Here are some basics. I want to give you, I want to give you four things that I believe we should see regularly within our Christian walk. Four things, and I, I'm not going to take long on any of these because most of them are pretty self-explanatory. Number one, we should all preach the gospel of the kingdom. All of us are called to preach the gospel of the kingdom. Did you know that? You're all called to be a preacher. Hallelujah. 
I mean, this was the ministry, this was the message of Jesus. He was constantly saying, go and say, the kingdom of God is near, or the kingdom of God is accessible. And I don't want you to make this some complicated religious rhetoric. I want you to think about it as practically as it possibly could be. Right now, my wife is not at hand. But if I take a few steps closer to her, now... My wife is at hand. This is, a, this is a simple illustration. But this is exactly the picture that Jesus gave. He says, the kingdom is not some far off place. The Lord is not so far off he cannot hear or his hand that he cannot say. No, the kingdom of God is at hand. That means it's accessible. That means that we can pray and we can see heaven come. Jesus wouldn't instruct us to pray in Matthew chapter 6, your kingdom come, your will be done, and have us pray empty prayers that amount to nothing. His desire is to release the kingdom of heaven right here on the earth. It's accessible. It's at hand. Even when Jesus in Luke chapter 4 began to talk, he said, uh, he said the kingdom of uh, uh, the Spirit of God has come upon me. And he began to outline all of the things that that meant. And then he made this phrase at the very end of that. He said to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord or the year of God's favor. What that literally is talking about is this is the appointed time for the kingdom of God to be made manifest amongst you. Blind eyes open, captives set free, the oppressed healed. That word oppressed literally means bruised. Uh, all of these things, the gospel of the kingdom preached to the poor. All of these things, he said, this is the time for it to be released in the earth. So, we are all called, and, and our message is very simple. Here's what it is. God is alive, and He's in the world today, and He can touch you in your place of need. No matter what the need is, if somebody needs to get saved, you preach to them the gospel of Jesus Christ, repent and believe on Jesus. He shed His blood so you could be cleansed of all of your sin. You can be a son and daughter of the Most High. If you know somebody who's oppressed by the devil, you know, hey, the kingdom of God is at hand. We can call on the Lord and He can set you free. He can break that addiction off of you. He can break that depression off of your life. He can break that heaviness that you've been walking in. I'm getting too excited. I know I talk too fast. When I get too excited, don't I? I don't even give you guys a chance to say amen. So say amen. <laughs> God sent forth his word and he heals us. Psalm 107 verse 20. The Bible says the word of God will never return void in Isaiah 55 in verse 11. The Bible says the word will never pass away. Even heaven and earth will pass away, but the word of God will not. Matthew 24 and verse 35. And the Bible says the word of God is living, it's powerful, it's sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit, joints and marrow, the discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. That's Hebrews 4 in verse 12. We're all called to preach the word. Have you got it? I'm not telling you all to prepare three-point sermons or four-point sermons. What I am encouraging you is tell people God is accessible. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's here. God can speak. God can heal. God can save. God can deliver. That's all. You can say that, can't you? Hallelujah. Here's the second thing that this is, this is kingdom normal for you right now. This should be normal Christianity. 
teach and make disciples. If you're taking notes, this is the second thing. We're all supposed to teach and make disciples. This is what the ministry of the kingdom is supposed to look like. And, and, and let me make it really easy for you. Did you know most of discipleship is simply take people along for the journey? Let people, let people do stuff with you. You'll see that Jesus did this all the time. There was a difference between Jesus and his preaching ministry, right? He would preach to the crowds. He would preach to the masses. But then he would pull his disciples. He would pull a handful off to the side after the meeting was done and over, and he would teach them. He would explain to them. Let me, let me go a little bit deeper in this thing with you guys. I know some of them didn't get it, but I'm going to teach you guys the mysteries of the kingdom of God. And he would, he would open to them insights about this thing. But a whole lot of it was walking with Jesus, being with Jesus, watching Jesus. In fact, did you know that most of discipleship, people ask me pretty often, they find out that I've been mentored I was discipled by Steve Hill and, and people have asked me well what does that look like and there were there were only two components to my discipleship with Steve Hill one he would teach me he had me come every meeting I'd have 10 questions if I didn't have 10 questions written out he wouldn't meet with me but I'd have 10 questions written out in a in a journal and those were things that I'd ask him he would respond he would teach me very often, he would take a sermon that he had recently preached, and he would go deeper in that topic with me, things that he didn't address the whole congregation. He'd teach me things. But a whole lot of it sounded more like this. Jacob, where's Jacob? Jacob, come here. And, I, and he, he have like, this is the first time that he ever did this to me. This is true, man. There was a whole group of like volleyball girls volleyball team they all came to church and they all got saved at the same time okay and they're all like down here like 15 girls in this service and it, Jacob where's Jacob and I'm like I'm off I don't know where but I, I I run over here and this is what he does to me on the microphone and everything Jacob this whole group of girls just gave their life to the Lord I want you to tell them what they need to do to live a successful life serving the Lord Jesus Christ and then he just walks away so I'm like, okay, sure. Uh, <laughs> you know, that was an awkward thing for me. But he had me come, you know, pray for this offering. He just said, you know, we're going to India. You got to pay your own way. But we're going to India. Let's go do a crusade out there. And you know, we would do that sort of thing. Most of it was not, you know, you know, these like secret prayer things. You know, I really wondered, man, man, we're going to have like, we're going to, I'm going to ask him a question, and he's not going to know the answer. And well, let's just go ask the Apostle Paul, and we're going to go translate into heaven and have this. It was nothing like that. It was nothing like that. He's about the, one of the most down-to-earth men you could ever talk to in your life. But most of what I received from him was simply him allowing me to be with him. That's what discipleship is, friends. Every one of us need to take, take people along with you in your walk with the Lord. God has gifted you in wonderful things. I tell our leaders all the time, if you're still doing your job one year from now, you're failing in discipleship. The way we built great evangelistic ministry, you know, some of the ministry that we built in the church we were on staff with in Dallas, those ministries are still continuing to this day. You want to know why? I would start a street evangelism outreach. I would build a team, I would raise up leaders, and then I'd stop showing up. 
And these guys would run the outreach. We'd start a homeless church, and we'd start gathering hundreds of homeless people. We'd gather the food trucks, and we'd give out clothing, and we'd do all of this. And then I raise up leaders, and well, I'm not going to preach this time. You go, you go ahead and preach. And, uh, and I'd let them do all of the ministry. And next thing you know, I stopped showing up. Why? Because now I'm over here and I'm raising up prophetic evangelistic teams. And, uh, and so you just, you go and you start something and then you hand it off. The way we built our first worship team. You know who was the worship leader in the first church that we, my wife and I pastored? Me. You don't want me to be your worship leader, I promise you. But my wife, she'd sing. And, uh, but what happened is I didn't want to play. So I taught a guy how to play guitar and then I gave him the guitar. I taught a guy how to play the drums, and then I let him play the drums. Yeah. I taught a guy, I mean, I did all of those things, the bass guitar, and then I, you know, hand it off. That's what discipleship is. Yeah. Not some complex thing. And so you go hang around Jonathan and watch how he talks to people and loves on people and welcomes people, and then you go do the same thing. This is what, this is the ministry of Jesus right here. Let me tell you, there's, there's three steps to discipleship, okay? Here's what it is. Jesus would demonstrate for the people. Watch me heal the sick. Watch me multiply food. Watch me cast out devils. Watch me preach the gospel. Watch me. Jesus would do those things. Step number two, he would tell his disciples, the 12, the 70, us, now you go and do those things. Now you go and heal the sick. Now you go and preach good news. Now you go and cast out devils. Now you go and do. Now, this is where people get messed up. You know what the third part is of discipleship? Teach. Yeah, I got my order right. The third part is teach. And you would see this very often. Jesus, we tried to cast the demon out of this boy. Why didn't it work? Let me teach you. They watched him do it. He sent them to do it. When they failed, he would teach them. When they had successful ministry, right? We read the verse earlier in Matthew, uh, Luke chapter 10. When they came back, Jesus, even demons are subject to us. Now let me teach you why that worked. Don't rejoice that demons are subject. Rejoice that your name is written in heaven. He was redirecting them. So Jesus, I mean, we get, we get this totally backwards. Here in America, we make people go through 18 years of school and then some if they're going to go to college, right? Then maybe after all that time, well, we'll let you start doing some stuff. And uh, I mean, it's just, it's backwards. It's not Jesus. Jesus, watch me do it. Now you try. All right, well, here's where you got it right. Good job. Now here's where you messed it up. Let's try it again. That's why, that's why we do our, our Tuesday nights this way, by the way. It's like, we'll have some people that come up and demonstrate. Here's what, here's what encouraging prophecy can look like. And then I open up the floor. And some of you, that freaks you out. Man, really? You're going to let a first-time guest try and prophesy? Sure. And if it's off, we'll correct it. And if it's right, we'll teach them, well, now here's, here's maybe why God is speaking that way. You guys understand. I better move on. Okay. Is it good? Does it help you? Here's the third thing. And this is very self, self-explanatory. Uh, we would cast out demons. Cast out demons. You ought to be casting out some demons in your life. Hallelujah. We ought to take some time and break the devil off of some people sometimes. We really need to not be shy about that sort of thing. And I, uh, that's what we're going to be doing over the next couple weeks. But here's, here's one thing. The only thing I really want to point out when it comes to casting out demons. You'll notice that all throughout the Bible, healing and deliverance always went hand in hand. 
Rarely were the two separated. But for some reason today, we have a lot of healing evangelists. We have a lot of healing ministries. But when you start dealing with the demonic, it's almost like this taboo thing. That like, Well, man, that's a little extreme. Surely I don't have any demon issues. Surely, surely sickness in my life could never be caused by the demonic. And I'll just tell you, friend, I feel like there's a lot of people who limp through this life and struggle even physically in their body at times because we have been unwilling to address. Many of us have been taught wrong that, no, you're covered by the blood and you could never have a demonic issue. Hooey on that. You know what? You know what? I'm, I'm going to give you a glimpse on what I'm going to preach on Easter. I'm going to preach about three times that the devil came and oppressed Jesus Christ himself. If Jesus could be oppressed by the devil... You can be oppressed by the devil. If you can sin, the Bible says that when we sin, in, in the book of Ephesians, when we sin, we give place to the devil. And if you can give place to the devil, you open your life to the influence of the enemy. We can have demonic issues in this life. There's so many examples I could give you in Scripture. Half of the healings you see Jesus perform was not just in the natural, a natural healing need that had to take place, but it was actually dealing with the devil, the epileptic boy in Matthew chapter 17. That was a demon. The fever on Peter's mother-in-law. He rebuked the fever. It's the very same word that you use when you're dealing with the demonic. That's in Luke chapter 4. When Paul dealt with a storm in the book of Acts chapter 27, it even named the nature of that storm that was opposing them, Euroclidon. It was a demonic storm that was coming upon Paul. And what's very interesting, in fact, let me give you one more. There was a woman, church woman, by the way, who was twice bent over, and the Bible clearly says it was a spirit of infirmity that was oppressing her in Luke chapter 13 in verse 11. All of these were demonic issues. And what's very interesting, let me just point out a bonus point for you. Everything that I just shared with you, the epileptic boy, Luke chapter 9, fever in Peter's mother-in-law, Luke chapter 4, Acts 27. Anybody know who wrote the book of Acts? Luke. The spirit of infirmity, Luke chapter 13. Now here's what's interesting. Luke was a historian, but by profession, does anybody know what Luke was? He was a doctor. Leave it to the doctor to recognize, here's a natural healing. Now this is something that's unusual. This is demonic in nature. Luke the doctor would recognize when something was going on. And I'm telling you, man, one of the most profound miracles that I ever saw. Let me tell you this story. Are we doing all right? It's only 11 after, so I'm, I'm, I'm doing all right on time. I'm happy with myself. And so we were in a service on one occasion. And uh, I, don't, I don't think I've told you guys this story. But uh, we were sitting up in the nosebleeds. I wasn't ministering in this service. I was just attending this service. And next to us were sitting some pastor friends of ours. Uh, him, Pastor St uh, Steve Boyer is his name, and uh, what is her name again? Anna. Well, Anna was sitting right next to me, and so what they did is the, is the pastor who was ministering was actually Bill Johnson, and, uh, and Bill stands up and he says, you know, the Lord gave me a word tonight that he wanted to dissolve metal plates and, 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 and you know, screws and things of that nature that's in people's bodies. I'm like, wow, that's pretty extreme, but so he had people, you know, do you have metal in your body? And sure enough, 
Anna, right next to us, raises her hand, and she stands up, and then we were given the instruction. They didn't have her go down to the front of the room. They said, you pray for that. So I end up praying. Now, her husband, actually, there was another person on the other side of of his wife, so he doesn't even end up praying for his wife. So my wife and I end up praying for Anna. And, And Bill says, I want you to lay hands on it if it's appropriate. So I asked her, are you okay if I lay hands on your ankle? And she said, yeah, that's fine. And so we prayed, and we asked her to to test it out, see if anything happened, and it didn't. Then Bill said this, and this, this shifted the way that I looked at healing. I gave you four examples in Scripture of how even our injuries and afflictions of the body can be demonic in nature. Here's a pastor's wife. She loves the Lord. I would not have thought for an instant that anything that could happen would be demonic in nature. But he says there's times where injury happens and a spirit of trauma can attach itself in that, in that injury. Now, this is all new to me, okay? And, uh, but I'm just like, man, I, you know, I trust Bill and, uh, and, I, and our pastor had a minister. And so I, let's just try it. You know, what's the worst thing? Let's just try it. And so I, I laid hands on her ankle again and I said, I rebuke the spirit of trauma in the name of Jesus. I command you to loose her and let her go. And we command this healing be released in her ankle right now in Jesus' name. Again, and so then really that's about all the longer that I prayed. And, um, and, then, and then again, Bill gives the instruction, well, why don't you test it out? See, try and move, see if you can move it in a way that you couldn't. And remember, she stood up. And she took her foot, if I can balance, all right? She took her foot and she began to move it side by side. And and I didn't know what she could do before or after that, but I knew when she immediately began weeping and crying so profusely. I mean, she just, she got her ugly cry on right away. And I'm I mean, it was wonderful. I mean, I was just, I was praising God. Come to find out, she had hurt her ankle. Um, She had walked up some stairs. There was some ice. She ended up falling, breaking her ankle for three years in a row. She'd had ankle surgery. Three years in a row, she'd missed Christmas with her family because she was always in surgeries. What I love, though, this is my favorite part of the whole thing. She grabs her husband, Steve, Steve, look. And Steve looks down at her ankle and she starts moving her ankle and he did one of these like one of those gasping cries and he starts bawling and crying because he'd walked with his wife through all of that and I'll tell you it was one of the coolest miracles that we've ever seen today we rebuked a spirit and how does that work I don't know but I see it in the Bible a lot I see it in the Bible a lot and so so sometimes you pray I mean if you've ever had Can I just give you one more tip on healing? If you've ever prayed, have you ever prayed that God would would heal something and you actually feel like, man, I had this knot in my back, but now it's like it was my upper back, now it's my lower back. If you've ever had something like that, rebuke the spirit of infirmity. If pain is moving in your body, well, now it's not there, now it's here. Now it was there, but now it's there. That's a a spirit that's moving and and guys, I know, if this, if this is freaking you out, you just you take it with a grain of salt. Look at the verses that I'm giving you and read my book, okay? And, just, and if you have any question, like, is this some like new weird theology? No. In fact, where I have become so confident in talking about demonic activity upon, upon believers, 
was actually from our senior pastor, Dr. Morocco. He did a whole teaching on this and how, I mean, how, how pervasive this is and the fact that, I mean, Anna would have lived the rest of her life most likely with a bum ankle, missing who knows how many more holidays. If I would have taken the theological stance, no, she's a Christian. Surely this isn't demonic. But today, she's healed. She's happy. <laughs> and so am I. And so, um, anyway. The last thing is uh, we heal the sick. And this should be common. This should be common. We should see people healed often. Since we started our services, man, we've seen a lot of people get healed. It's been really, really awesome. And I want to see more. I want to I get to the point. In fact, one of the things, uh, you know, COVID caused us kind of to scale back our hands-on healing ministry. We've been reactivating that again. And, uh, you know, now Sunday mornings, I actually wanted to have our healing teams active uh, this last Sunday, but we had to bring in so many chairs. We had our chairs right up to the front here. Uh, but next week, hallelujah, we'll be in two services. We're going to be reactivating our healing ministry. It'll go on every Sunday. And so every Sunday morning night, you'll always have opportunity to receive healing in your body if you need that. And my desire, I want you to pray with me about this. My desire is that it would be a rare occasion if normal Christianity is people getting healed. I want it to be a weird occurrence that people come in sick or injured in body and they leave the same way. I want that to be weird. I don't know what happened there. Everybody else got healed. I don't know what's going on with them. You know, I, you know what I'm saying. And so, um, did you try to cast the devil out of them? Maybe it was that. So, so how, how are we going to grow in these areas? It's very simple. In prayer, get intimate, get close to Jesus. Get close to Jesus. That is, that's what Jesus redirected them in, 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 Acts, in uh, Luke chapter 10. Jesus, even demons are saying, ah, slow down. Rejoice because your name is written in heaven. You want to know where you have authority? Your name is written in heaven. You want to know how you have authority? It's all I've been preaching about the last weeks on Sundays. You're seated in Christ in heavenly places. That's where your authority comes. And it's all about intimacy. Read Acts 19, the sons of Sceva. They tried to cast out demons because they saw Paul do it. I cast him out and what was the name of the guy that, that Paul was praying? Oh, Jesus. Yeah, yeah. And it did not work out. Read the story. They ended up fleeing wounded and naked. I don't want that happening to anybody within the sound of my voice. The key is simple. You need to know Jesus. Start talking to him. Start loving on him. Start worshiping him. You make sure he's with you. Um, I've got a couple more things, but I think we're pretty good. In fact, let me just give you one. The greatest way that you're going to grow in this kind of stuff, prayer is a must. It's a given. But the greatest way you're going to grow in all of these things is by practicing it. So we got to practice. we got to practice it. you got to take a step of faith. you got to pray. you got to release it. Hallelujah. We're going to do that. We're going to do that tonight.